Good morning, everyone. Uh, today's special guest is Chrissy Salters. Um, she just recently was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame with a record of 49, 7, and 3, 31 of them knockouts. A warrior, survivor, teacher, promoter. Um, and we're lucky today to have uh, Christy on with us. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Christy. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Doing good. Um, I do want to start by saying congratulations on getting nominated to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And I do realize that because uh, of Corona, that got kind of postponed till next year, that ceremony. It's very disappointing because like, even when I got the call from Ed Brophy to tell me that I had been inducted, I was excited and, and very, very excited. But when he called to tell me that it had been basically canceled and postponed or whatever till next year, which means canceled to me. Um, I cried. I mean, it was like, wow, I worked, I worked and I prayed and I don't know if I prayed, but I hoped so hard that I would get into the boxing hall of fame someday and for it to be taken away after it was so close. Uh, it, it definitely hurt. Right. What have you been doing during the coronavirus pandemic shutdown or whatever you want to call it to kind of stay busy? Yeah, I have uh, been trying and trying to schedule a professional boxing match as a promoter. And it's very, it's tough. You know, these guys call me, they want to fight. So I understand that because I know what it's like to train and train and train. And you want to get them in there and, and test your skills and, and you keep getting denied. So I, I know what that feels like. And it makes me want to try even harder to, to give these guys an opportunity to have a fight. So, you know, we keep trying. And, and this one's going to happen August 15th. We're going to be in Florida, Daytona Beach at the Ocean Center. The card is stacked. Awesome. It's definitely the best fight uh, show that I've been able to put together. Uh, Alberto Palmetta is the headliner. And he's coming off a great win on Showbox. And, you know, the, the card is really stacked with not just some good local fighters, but um, some, some guys that are making some noise out there. Um, my first question, I know you kind of worked with Don King when you were professionally fighting. Now, did that kind of learning from him and dealing with promoters like that kind of help you transition to become a promoter yourself? And what do you have to offer to these boxers and fighters that are coming up now? Well, I think that working with Don King, uh, it, it taught me a lot. It taught me what to do and what not to do as a promoter. And, and you know, I, I am a fighter and I do understand how the fighters feel. I also understand that some of these four round guys think that they're contenders or champions already. And you know what? I don't care how good you are. You still have to pay your dues to the sport. And um, that's probably the hardest obstacle and hurdle that I have with the guys. Um, but I, as I said, I learned what to do, what not to do. And King was a great promoter. In my opinion, he was the best promoter of all times. Uh, of course, the times have changed now. And with social media, everybody says, you know, how would King do? Well, he would do great because he would be able to adjust. And then that's what he did. You know, he was always able to adjust on the move and, and sell it. Didn't matter. As a fighter, do you wish you could have been in the age of, say, the Conor McGregor's or the Tyson's where social media, especially now, is so amplified, good or bad? Do you think that would have changed you as a fighter or would that have kind of been detrimental to what you wanted to do? I think um... – Oh my goodness, if social media had really been where it is today, back in the 90s, um, my career could have even been 
bigger. I mean, the cover sports illustrated at that time was in my opinion, as big as you could get. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still huge. Social media, but at the same time, everybody gets to take shots at you, whether they're deserved or not. And no one is really held accountable. You can say anything you want to, or about anybody. And, um, uh, you know, again, there's no accountability, so it's difficult. Um, and that, that's one of the things I shared with Lisa uh, when we got married. I said, you know, I, I have lots of haters. And so you just have to put that thick skin on and, and take it. And it's much easier when people talk crap about you for you to take it than when you hear someone say something about someone you love or, or care about. Um, you know, it's harder to take it, for, you know, when they're talking about someone else. Right. So she wants to respond. I'm like, you know what? If you respond, you're just giving them credibility. <laughs> it's cool because you never, you like you said, you never really played into the opponent's hands with trash talk. Like you let your skill and hard work pay for itself. And I think that's, I think that's very humbling. I think more athletes should kind of live by that creed. Well, I talked my my fair share of. of, of trash uh but that was one of the things that king was always like you know tell him christy tell him you're gonna knock him out um tell him what you're gonna do to him he was always encouraging but it was always about hype and i had to i felt like i had to do something to draw attention to my fight um just going out there and fighting hard wasn't going to be enough i had to make people want to watch to see if i could fight and and by talking junk and and tell people I was going to knock him out, that made people say, well, let me take a look at this. I want to see if, if she's really going to be able to knock her out. Now, is it diff I mean, obviously in the 90s, the idea of a woman fighter being mainstream or e even sports in general, women were kind of like, well, who's going to watch this? So did that make it tougher for you to sell the fight? Is that kind of what – so, like, how did – did that mentally affect you at all, having to prove yourself not just as a woman fighter, but a fighter in general? Well, as a fighter in general, you know, I always wanted people to look at me as just a fighter. When they walked away from the fight on that night, I wanted them to say, well, that was a good fight. Not that that was a good woman's fight or she could fight. She can fight, not she can fight for a woman. I, I wanted them to give me the respect of being a fighter. And, and I think to some degree I crossed over that and, and did get the respect of, of the fight fans just because they knew that I was going to be in a fight. Win, lose, or draw, I was going to fight my hardest every time out. And true or false, your cover shoot uh, for Sports Illustrated, you were the only female boxer to be on Sports Illustrated, correct? So far, the only female fighter to ever be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is um, – That's know, awesome. That's pretty awesome because and, – and, of course, in, in you know, back in my time, Sports Illustrated was um, – Oh, so highly regarded. The, it was the Bible. Right. You know, now that everything is online, every, you know, lots of stuff has, has changed and the significance has changed. But in the 90s, to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated was, I mean, that was Michael Jordan and those kind of guys who were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. The weedy box. No, it's, it's great. So in June, ESPN did a cover story on you and... Let's step back a little bit. I, I've, been, I've been aware of yourself, uh, Mia St. John, uh, Layla Ali. Like, I'm very familiar with the fighters. But when I read that story again, I really didn't comprehend what you went through. I remember because I was born in 85. And so when I, as I was getting older, I read these articles. I'm like, well, yeah, I think she got like hurt or there was a fight or something. But I never kind of like looked into it. So I read that article 
And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, out, even outside the idea of fighting, and like, this woman has the mindset of a warrior to survive. And so I read the article. I text my uh, people, like people in my office. I'm like, we got to do a post about her because she is incredible. I text my sisters, and we're always throwing stuff back. I'm in the security business, so we're always talking about what would you do and stuff like that. And they're both like, I don't know how – Take out the fact you're a woman. I don't know. There's men that couldn't even do what you did. So I guess my first question about that is, was it your boxing that helped you be a survivor, or was it more your kind of blue-collar West Virginia upbringing or the will to survive? And how does someone gain that kind of thinking, the will to survive? I don't think you can – can you trade that for someone? You know um – be very honest jim told me from the day actually even before i married him that if ever i left he would kill me and you know in the beginning i was very young and you know i kind of laughed it off but as time went on and he continued to tell me and not just me he would tell other people um that if i left he would kill me and at some point, and I'm not sure exactly what that point was, I, I knew this to be fact. And I, I knew it to be fact so much that I told a friend of mine, because Jim and I got into a physical fight, he hit me and put my tooth, my bottom tooth through my lip. I bled like crazy because I guess in your face, you know, you just bleed a lot. So I left a little speck of my blood in my bathroom. And I told a friend, I'm like, if ever I go missing, Here's my blood. So when I would clean, I would purposely clean around this spot of my blood. And she knew where it was. Um, so I knew this was going to be my end. And I just had to get so low that I was ready to either live or die. And it didn't matter when the attack started. It didn't matter. But somewhere in the middle of after being stabbed and, and during the time he was pistol whipping me, the, the switch just flipped. And I said to him, you cannot kill me. And I meant it. And, and, and it, just, it just changed right there. He would, in just a few minutes, shoot me and leave, leave me for dead. But um, there's somewhere, you know, I don't know where the will to, to live came. I guess it's just, it's my character. I, I felt like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not done. And yeah, I'm not going to let him win. Right. It's just for me, I couldn't comprehend because we're always trying to teach uh, security people, like, just you've got to have that mentality of do what's right all the time, but also if something does go bad, to have the wherewithal to stand your ground and just kind of visualize being successful at it. But, so what you went through, I just – I really can't comprehend. I think more people – need to hear your story because it's not just you. There's literally hundreds of thousands of women and men that have gone through abuse and stuff. I think it's, I, I'm just so glad you did that with ESPN to really push that story out. It was just awesome. The numbers are, are staggering. I, I, I can't even imagine um, the number of women that every hour are abused, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, that are abused in, in this country. 
and and with this pandemic and everybody being so locked in and so on edge i mean we're we're all a little on edge um right the numbers, the numbers have just tripled and you know doubled and tripled and and even more in some spots um so so with that i i think it's more important now than ever that i speak out and just share my story because I, i've always said that god left me here for a reason and that reason is to share my story, to talk about domestic violence, and to bring more awareness to, to it does doesn't always just have to be bruises. It's just usually that's how it ends with bruises or right. being shot or stabbed or in some way severely beaten or even killed. What uh, programs have you worked with, or what like kind of organizations do you suggest people if they want to reach out and help or? What can be done to help? There's a national hotline, of course, anyone can call. But I, I personally have Christie's Champs, and we work with as many domestic violence shelters as possible. Every place that I hold a professional fight, I partner with a local domestic violence shelter and have them come and set up at the fight where they pass out information, where and then we make a donation back after the fight. Um, in that in Daytona, we worked with the Beacon Center. Uh, in in Charlotte, we worked with uh, Esther House. Uh, in Texas, here where we're doing uh, we're doing a little program where we have the kids that live in the shelter actually come and do boxing once a week. And this is something that we're oh, wow. going to bring na nationwide. We're also working with um, Mark Hornsby down in Harnett County, North Carolina. He has an awesome program. It's we're teaming with the PAL program and his situation, um, like I said, his gym, we have mentors there, we have computers, we have tutors, everything. He's the prototype, if we can make everybody around the country um, understand how we can use boxing to break the cycle. And that's where it's most important, you know, because these kids, they're young kids, they grow up seeing abuse, they don't understand any other way. This is just what they know. So if we can right. show them a different way um, of life, then, then then we're doing our job. Oh, that's awesome. So another kind of trivia question, your nickname boxing was the coal miner's daughter. Were your parents in the coal industry? My, my dad is a coal or miner, my brother, my uncles, my grandfathers, um, you know, I'm from Southern West Virginia. That's, that's, at that least that was basically the only only industry there i mean we kept the lights on for the entire country for a long time no it's it's incredible out of all your siblings are you the only one that got into sports or did they have any other hobbies or musicians or anything like that yeah I, I basically was the athlete my brother he's more the hunter fisher work on the cars He's uh he's a hands-on guy, but um he he likes sports, but just really never was the one that um got involved. He's like me, a little on the short side. So you, you're when you're so short, your um uh, your limitations <laughs> are great. <laughs> Do you still watch? I mean, obviously you still watch boxing, but is there anything like you watch UFC or? kickboxing do you, are you just someone that's so engaged in the art of combat or do you strictly just watching boxing 
I'm, I'm just a boxing girl. I just, um, I don't, I don't really watch the UFC stuff or, or kickboxing. I don't, I can't understand or comprehend like the ground game of the UFC. So it isn't interesting to me. I'm sure. I mean, I appreciate their, their great athletes and um, the hard work they put in, but I don't understand it. So therefore it's not interesting to me. I want to just watch stand up boxing and uh, the sweet science. Right. Do you still, how often do you train or if you do train kind of, what do you do to kind of stay in shape for everything? Yeah, I, I wish, and I, I hope everything settles down soon and I can get back to training. I miss it. The gym, um, yeah. I miss being in the gym. I miss the camaraderie. I miss my amateur team uh, that I had in Florida. Uh, I, I just miss, I, I miss that scene and then that feel of uh, the team and the family. Uh, so hopefully I can get back to that soon. But right now, we're just focusing on uh, trying to keep these fights together. Oh, I hear you. In terms of your, and I don't want to keep harping on that, the ESPN article, but there's, again, there's so much in the article. I suggest everyone reads that and catches up on your story. And so I... I guess kind of another question, where, when that article comes out, are you, is there a sense of fear that this could trigger something for you? Or are you so confident that you're doing it because you do want to help others? I really look at it at the positive that it's going to bring to others. Um, and it's, it's cathartic. It's good for me. Every time I can share my story, like, I think it, it, it helps me grow as a person. I recently uh, actually just spoke with my counselor that I still deal with every week. And she says, you know, Christy, what we need to work on now is forgiveness. And uh, you have to figure out how to forgive Jim for for uh, trying to kill you. And I'm like, whoa. That, that's God, a, how do you that, do that? That's a big one. You know, I, I, I um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, she says I'll feel better both mentally and, and even physically if I can let go of that anger um but wow that's asking a lot you know how do you forgive somebody that he thought he killed me um i don't know right and and she even said how she asked me if i was spiritual and i said of course and uh, she said do you pray i said of course and she said well and i said but i can't pray and ask god to give me something i don't know that i want that's that's not right either yeah that's a good point I'm hoping that female boxers and women in general have the confidence now to kind of reach out and get help or reach out to you. And I think that by you doing that, again, it's just, it's so cool. I'm so glad to hear that you're so invested in helping others. And I wish you nothing but success with that. Thank you. And if anybody needs to needs help, um, they can go to Christy's Champs on Facebook page. They can hit me up, Christy Salters Martin, on my personal page send me a message and if I can't do something personally I will get them in the right direction of who can help and that is that's all over the country I can awesome. definitely put them in in the right hands we uh obviously with everything COVID going on this is the last kind of question uh, we've been trying to really finish up training our we're starting a training school in Florida and eventually California for security agents and guards and stuff like that. But one of the things we want to do is like this seminar thing where we bring in special guests who have a story to tell. 
And I guess I'm wondering, is that something you, I, I know you do your promotions and your fights, you do talk to organizations, but having you come and talk to men and women in the security field, I think would be invaluable just with what you've gone through. And so I think having someone like you involved with some of that seminar stuff would be awesome. Yeah, that's something that um, is, is definitely high on my list of things that I'd like to do. I um, there's a there's a prison up in Virginia that I go to once a year and speak at. I speak at different high schools, um, domestic violence shelters, I any place, you know, any any time that I can get my story out there and talk to people. And I think that people can relate when, you know, when they can reach out and touch some someone. It, it's easier for right. them to relate to to what you're saying. When someone that's never been through what I've been through or any kind of domestic violence situation gets up there and just talks about numbers and figures and percentages, that that's great. That's great to bring awareness. But it really hits home when somebody that is a true survivor stands up there and shares their story and talks about, um, you know, when I give a number, I think it, it, it has a little more weight than when somebody that's never been through any kind of uh, domestic violence gives a number. Right. Oh, just awesome. One of our, we took a question the other day uh, that I wanted to ask you. Someone was wondering if you have gone back and ever watched your fights, not necessarily your losses, but your wins too. And would you ever, do you ever kind of Monday quarterback your fights still to this day? Um, I haven't really watched them in a long time, but there's definitely, you know, there's definitely points in my career that I, I wish I could change. Um, you know, I fought Mia St. John in my last fight ever, and that was after having a stroke. Do I wish that I had never done that? Absolutely. I mean, to fight somebody after having a stroke was stupid, uh, arrogant, and, and a stroke. I, I wow. wish that I had never done that, um, but I did. Uh, I, I, T taking a knee and staying on my knee against Layla. Um, I, I, of course, that was, to me, that was the worst 10 seconds of my career. And I wish I would have just stayed on my feet and let her knock me out. Not let her knock me out. She was going to knock me out um, unless I landed some lucky shot. Um, but, yeah, those two things are, like, really the only, the only thing that um, – or the biggest things that I would change about my career. Do you still talk with your contemporaries? Are you guys all on good terms? Um, you know, I, I have recently spoken with Layla and Mia. They're both helping me out with my non uh, nonprofit with the Oh, that's awesome. Um, doing some signing, some autograph stuff for the uh, a fundraiser we're doing in in North Carolina. Um, so uh, there's not a lot of people other than my wife that I'm actually friendly with that I that I fought. Um, <laughs> yeah. Most of us left on bad terms. Gogarty, Deirdre Gogarty, I do feel like that she and I changed the world of, of women's boxing and, and boxing on uh, that night, March of 96. That was great. That's when you got the uh, Sports Illustrated cover, right? Right and after? The Sports Illustrated cover right, came right after that, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Christy, for uh, taking the time this morning and uh, sharing your story. And uh, please stay safe. I will make sure we let our followers start following your pages and 
make sure they check out your promotions, especially too with the domestic stuff. If you want to send me a couple of links and stuff, we'll post them as well. Uh, but again, thank you for your story, your courage, and your career. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, anybody out there in the Central Florida area, August 15th, uh, Christy Martin Promotions and the Gardner Payne uh, Boxing. Come come support us. In, in the our, office, our, main office is, our main office is right in Orlando. We'll be there. Oh, perfect. Send, send me over. Uh, awesome. Send me over names for uh, media credentials. Awesome. Sounds great, Christy. Thank you. Have Thank you. Be day. safe. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Hey listeners, I'm Christy and I'm Melissa and this is Buried Motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back and that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.